Welcome to your weekly dose of horror news and fun. This is Terrorvision Horror Podcast. This is episode three. Today we're recording this on Tuesday, the 26th of May. I'm your host, Dan, the Limb Collector McGuinness, and joining me as always is my co-host, Jennifer, the Dream Warrior Strand. Together we are two people who love horror and feel the burn of our obsolete blockbuster memberships. Jen, how are you going? Jennifer, Jennifer. I, I, Jennifer, Jen, either way. I'm good. I'm good. It's a it's a brisk Monday. It's a good for for watching horror, really, and just staying inside. I've seen. How are you? I've seen you've been turbo watching horror this week. You got watched way more than I did. Oh yeah, it's it's been a good week for horror. Oh, for you, yeah, you've got like for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all right. Um, I've been really busy with my comic shop. We've been got, uh, because of the the restrictions lifted on COVID. We've got had a lot more uh, stuff coming through from the US. Consequently, that's given me heaps of work because like back order stuff that's been there forever is suddenly pouring into my shop. So, woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's keeping you off the streets. So you know. Oh yeah. The community thanks you. Keeping me off the streets, away from the <laughs> away from the chud. <laughs> Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> okay, so this week in horror we have four stories this week. And starting off with story number one, we have uh how do you say this guy's name? Jason Mamma 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 Manoa. <laughs> uh yes, Jason Momo. Momoa. Jason Mam- Momoa. Momoa is a vampire and Peter Dinklage is Van Helsing in horror action movie Good, Bad and Undead. Now and this is from um, bloodydisgusting.com earlier on in the week. This this news article came up. What do you know about this one? I, I mean, straight away, you've got you've got Jason, Jason M. Yep. <laughs> the He's biggest, a Hulk the, and Bella. Yeah, the biggest man alive versus, <laughs> versus the smallest man in show business. Um, so what's the undead part? Oh, wait, good. Um, okay. Is it called good, bad, and undead? Like, as in, is there yeah, a comma good, in the bad, name? And undead. No, no comma, no comma. Um, it's it's based on an original idea by Damien Shannon and Mark Swift. Um, they are best known for writing the Freddy versus Jason and the 2009 Friday the 13th. 2000, um, which was great. Oh yeah, I like. I liked that remake. It was. It was a good remake, and Freddy vs. Jason, just campy and classic, and I love it. Yeah, Freddy vs. Uh, Jason pretty much encapsulated, like, the two movies of everything that made them unique and just mushed them together into this weird, like, kind of hybrid movie that kind of weirdly worked. And I've always loved Freddy vs. Jason where you have the – yeah, yeah – your teens, you know, your teens that have been locked away, but, you know, the adults have got together, they've locked away the teens uh, that know Freddy because they've worked out the only way to stop Freddy is to make people forget him so he's got no power. And then you get the teenagers that get out of the mental institution and the first thing they do is run to the school and yell out about Freddy and, like, yeah. they, they, they fuck everything up. And then they're like, later down the track, they're like, oh, no, we are the ones that fucked it up. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's because the adults were doing the right thing. But in the movie, they were made to be baddies, but I 100% agreed with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. As I get, Like I say, as I get older, I relate more to the adults, and I'm just like, you fucking kids deserve this shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, it- you deserve to be slaughtered in various, various ways, and I'm here for it. You did it to yourself. 
And Freddy vs. Jason has one of my favourite Jason kills of all time. They're folding backwards yeah. bed. <laughs> right. I love the soundtrack to this as well. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the, you know, in the 2000s when all of those horror soundtracks were just like these hardcore metal. It's not really. It's all like basically new metal um, songs that just make up this whole soundtrack. And I think I've got them all somewhere still. Like I had anything that was like a horror movie that was released back then, I picked up that soundtrack. So they're all probably on CD still You've packed got a, in a box. A Freddy vs. Jason hanging around on the old compact disc system. <laughs> I do, as well as a House of Wax and a Resident Evil and the, um, probably a bunch of other stuff. There was also that scene in Freddy vs. Jason, whenever I think about it, I always think of that weird scene where Freddy and Jason are fighting and he's kind of pinballing Jason around in the dream world and he's <laughs> using his crutch yeah, as, like, he's yeah. thonking him with his crutch and, like, hitting him. Um, well, I believe that's the best and only way to play pinball is majority crutch movement. Ooh, it, it does It does make a ball do what you want. <laughs> a, crutch, a crutch thrust, as, yes. as, as you'd call it. Yeah. And then we so got the pinball crutch thrust. Pinball Poke Crush Us. So the, and then we got Mark's with Friday the 13th, 2009, which I only watched recently for the first time. Mm. Um, and it was great. Or was that it? That has one of my favourite, um, one of my favourite deaths. And it's a very simple death. Um, but if you've ever watched the show Superstore, there is a character on that show called Jonah. And I hate him with a passion. But he's mm. in this movie and he gets fucked up. And I just... I just love it so much because I hate that character so bad and just, you know, brings you, me joy. You just want to see that dickhead go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and so and so he's done that. He's done that. He's, he's got, so he's got a little bit under his name, a bit of cred. Yeah. And he's coming into this. Now, we've got the word action horror. Now, that's always a scary, a scary word because, I mean, the only – I mean, what action horror when it comes to mind – What's, a, what's another action horror that you can say is good? Like, I mean, what would you call an action horror? Would we call something like Cabin in the Woods an action horror? Is that an action horror? It. Would you maybe say Blade is an action horror? Yeah, 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 I could go so with that. There's a lot of shit going on. But, I mean, I guess as well, like, as soon as you say vampires and Van Helsing, people automatically go, oh, that's going to be a horror. Yeah, it's true. But maybe action horror is, like, uh, you have the horror elements, but in a traditional horror film, the pr- main protagonist is going through horrific events, but maybe in the action horror, it's more like they've got this, this shit under control. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you know, it's like p- popping Vin Diesel into a horror movie. It's always going to be an action horror because Vin Diesel isn't going to coward, you know, in, in his contract. He's like, he's not allowed to coward. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> like, he's got it in his contract that he is the best-looking guy and the strongest guy and the guy that's always going to win. Mm. So uh, years, and that's why I haven't watched Bloodshot yet. True. But that, that's saying like the uh, Riddick. I think the first Riddick film would, would theoretically count as like a sci-fi, an action horror. Remember, it was all dark I and there were monsters it. under the ground and, you know, you couldn't... Was that what was happening in that one? I think so. I've seen it once and once only. Pretty certain I saw the second one in the cinema, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Mm, but yeah. Oh, no, Judy Dench was in it. Ooh. But um, it. Jason Momoa, like, comes uh, comes across to me. If he's in a movie, It's not he's not going to be cowering if he's a main character. But then again, he is the vampire, which does make more sense. And then you've got little little uh, um, uh, Peter Dinklage as Van Helsing. Um, yes. 
I wonder if they're going to have a beard off in this, whether they're both going to be supporting their beards because they're pretty good at beards, these two dudes. Both of them. And, I mean, Peter Dinklage, like I feel that his beards are better and I stand by his beard. Yeah, I I always feel that Jason Momoa's beard is a bit of a barista beard. Like he he takes too much time in it. Like yeah, where I, I Peter Dinklage's beard is just his beard, and he just like he yeah. gro- he grows that shit out, and he's like, "This is my beard." Where it's Momo- like in, um, while Momoa's in SpongeBob, which bit in SpongeBob? <laughs> you know, in the SpongeBob movie where they're all talking about not being men, and the guy's just there and there, and he goes, goes, "Well, this is what a man does," and he just goes, Urgh! and a beard <laughs> pops out. <laughs> yeah, that's what Peter Dinklage does. But um, Momoa, I feel like he's the guy, whilst Peter Dinklage is pushing his beard out, he's there getting it trimmed at the barber and, wa- yeah, he's and waxed and got shit. Waxed. He's got oils. He, like, probably dyes it or something. He maintains that he's a groomer. Yeah, like, he's got that look yeah. of he's just gotten out of uh, the beach after catching a wicked way. But you know he's been in the bathroom for 40 minutes st- styling that hair to make it look like, you know, with, with some sandy beach palm balm or some <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> like he's... Yeah, so. for sure, 100%. So just talking about those two characters, this is not screaming horror towards me, but, you know, it might happen. It might. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so Dinklage is going to play Van Helsing, uh, last in the long line of vampire hunters. He develops an uneasy partnership with a vampire, played by Jason Momoa, who has taken a vow to never kill again. Together they run a scam from town to town where Van Helsing pretends to vanquish the vampire for money. Oh. But when a massive bounty is put on the vampire's head, everything is in in a dangerous world full of monsters and magic, and they're all now after Momoa. Okay, so they're mates. They are. Well, the thing is, is, like, uh, Jason Momoa and Peter Dinklage um, have wanted to do, like, films together for a while. Like, for I think for a very long time they were talking about a Twins remake. They really wanted to do yeah, nah. a remake of Twins. <laughs> and, of course, the, you know, Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Shtick, yeah, they've yeah. got that going on for them as well, so... Potentially it could work, but uh, I don't know. Maybe they could remake Junior and like Momoa <laughs> could give birth to Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'd watch that, yeah. That write-up that you just said sounds more like comedy horror to me, like the first bit until it's like, you know, the monsters at the end. But like that could lend, you know, some funny, you know, their mates and they're making out that they're killing each other and shit like that. Like, it sounds be- a little bit like the Frighteners to you. Yeah, yeah, Frighteners. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all a bit of a scam, but and then and shit, then, then real shit goes yeah. down. Yeah. And uh, and okay. Peter Dinklage is going to have to, you know, the the Helsing bloodlines running through him, and he's going to have to deep, you know, pull deep down from those bloodline roots and get his real Helsing vibe on. Yeah, I mean, I I like watching Peter Dinklage do stuff though, and I especially like him doing stuff that's a little bit campy and just where he's got that that opportunity to sort of ham it up. Like his best performances have been, oh, what's that movie? Um... Pixels. Ugh. No, he was great no. in that, remember? He played like okay, basic, yeah. basically. He was great in that. He was, um, what's that guy in King of Kong? Billy Mitchell. He basically played Billy Mitchell. Like, he, yeah, basically like, did. I thought he was that. That was the best part of that film was him. I thought he's got ridiculous <laughs> attitude and just like. For a, bit, yeah. for a movie got so ba- panned, I, I, I had fun with that film for some weird reason. I must have just watched it in the correct mindset, as in I might have been, like, brain dead or something. But like Probably. Just hung over on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Just 
and you know you get emotional and you like, you attach yourself more to things when you're really hungover. <laughs> like you think yeah. it heats better than it is. Knights <laughs> like, oh, um, um, of Badassum. That's, oh, that's bad, the one I was. Bad, is that what it's called? Badass, Bassad, Badassium. Badassum. Yeah, that was that was pretty yeah. good as well. But that's the same. <laughs> he's, that, he's basically the same kind of character that he was in Pixels. Yeah, yeah. he plays and like kind I of like a, that. a dickhead character really well. He does. He does it so well. So I mean, I don't think Momoa's got much depth to him. So you reckon he's a bit yeah. of a um, uh, a bit of a what's his name? Thor's actor, Australian. Uh, Hemsworth. Hemsworth. You think he's a bit of a Hemsworth? Yeah, I'd call him even a bit of a Vin Diesel. <gasps> I don't know, man. What about more of a rock? Bit of a, a what's rock's real name? Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, maybe, but also Dwayne Johnson has charisma. I like watching him in his films. Momoa, yeah, take him or leave him. I wonder what he's like on set. You got, you got, you like to think he's really good because apparently Vin Diesel's a dickhead. Well, that that's why he was. That's why um, he, he wasn't in Hobbs and Shaw, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. Like The Rock didn't want to work with him at all. Mm. Anyhow. I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. It's true. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to story number two. Okay. At this point. Yeah, we've been following this. Okay, so at this point we're going to rename this podcast uh, (laughs) to – we're just going to rename it to Scream Watch 2020. Scream, uh, screamers. No, no, that was a terrible. One. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so essentially, uh, every week so far, there's been a little bit of news drip feeding through regarding Scream Five, and it is official. David Arquette is going to be reprising his role as the goofy Dewey. Dewey, and. He's the only one that's actually signed on for it. So while uh, oh. Neve Campbell is in talks, he's signed on. So he's definitely going to be in it. Uh, no word on Courtney Cox, but I'm sure we'll probably report on that next week. Yeah, actually, I heard. No, no, I I thought I read something about Courtney Cox has jumped on. Really? Maybe I have. I have not. Seen maybe that. I read. Maybe I read she wasn't in yet. <laughs> maybe you're just hoping that it's going to happen. So what is this? This is on. About next week. So this is on iHorror.com. This was put up. Um, yeah, well, Arquette, man. I love Arquette. Um, I had a small obsession with him when I was a bit younger. I had a thing that I decided I was going to get, and it was called my Arquette jacket because he always wore certain jackets in his films, and I wanted to be look like him. <laughs> so I, I, I got my Arquette jacket, and I wore that around for a while. And then he did stuff like Eight-Legged Freaks, man. You can't go past that film. <laughs> Great film, but you know me and my love for creature features. So yeah, and I, I, and that, and that was like your creature creature feature, but also had that. It was when they were really trying to get their grasp on CG, and you had like the bouncing spiders, you know, grabbing the motorbike guys, like the yeah. the crusty demons of dirt dudes, off their bikes in midair and slow motion. I was like, yeah, man, this is it. And um, I uh, find a lot of those action films that I go back and watch these days. I remember them in my mind of having so much action and they were so good. And you watch these old action films and they're quite boring because we're used to yeah. stuff like Fast and the new Fast and the Furious and stuff. Like those things are off tap with ridiculousness happening. And you just assume it's going to be that great. Like when you watch these old films, like I remember watching Die Hard with a Vengeance and thinking yep. there is no way any film could possibly get any more action in it. And I watched it recently. I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's because we have such a short attention span, mm. 
um, because everything is readily available. Like they have to basically jam pack every single minute has to be something happening, something going on at every time, just to keep everyone, you know, just paying attention to the film. So it's like a blink if you miss it. Oh God, I've missed half the film. Like you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like. But it does lack the substance. And if they're like, if people, we're not putting enough stuff in there, people are going to blink and not open their eyes again. (laughs) Um, So, David Arquette, definitely on. So, is Scream 5 happening? Was it still just in talks? Because I thought there was a a solid yes. Pretty certain it's a solid yes. Um, Kevin Williamson, who actually uh, wrote wrote Scream... He's uh, returning um, just as an executive producer, so he's not actually going to have anything to do with the script. Although, wouldn't surprise me if he just sort of like he's like, guys, just just let me uh, just a couple of notes, and then he'll go and rewrite half of it, and it'll be even better. So, but we've got the guy that did Zodiac, Amazing Spider-Man, James Van. Oh no, that's what's his name? Wait, what's going James on? James Vanderbilt. Not James Vanderbeek. Oh, <laughs> wow! That's a very, <laughs> that's a very, very, very um similar name. No wonder I got back. Yeah. And who's Guy Bulzik? Um, so Bulzik. he's he did uh, Ready or Not, which I haven't watched yet, and I really am keen to because Samara Weaving's in it, and she's just doing amazing things, and I love her, and I need to see her in everything. So. So apparently, um, those two are are going to co-write it. Yep. Apparently. <laughs> Do we have any sweet good quotes that anyone said about it yet? We need we need the we need the scoop. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, Neve Campbell's still uh, Neve Campbell's trending on social media. She says that she would love to return to the franchise and is still in talks, meaning mm-hmm. she wants more money. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, and look, I'm not gonna disagree with what she wants, and you best give it to her because I need her to come back. Now, are they going to get a new cast? Like, because all these people are old. So it's not going to be the slasher film, like, you know, attacking the teens anymore. So are they going to have to have, like, the new generation come in of younger people and then have these guys as, like, you know, your poltergeist old lady savers that come in halfway? (laughs) I'd be okay with that. Um, But, I mean, the Scream 4 was the, the young cast and it was, like, the reboot thing. So it's... They've not teased as to what it's sort of going to be about. And see, I, I think that leaves me a little bit more. See, like, I, see, I haven't um, I haven't uh, seen Scream 4. I only, I only realized it was a, a thing when I saw Scream 5 was getting made. I thought it stopped yeah. at 3. I'm so, I really love Scream 4. Like, I think in my, uh, to rate them, like, Scream is obviously the number one. Then it's Scream 4. Scream 2 and then Scream 3, I could take or leave. Like, I prob- I very rarely watch that one, even when I marathon them. I usually just skip it. Right. I've just seen on this website that there's a, a, a Beetlejuice Monopoly. <laughs> yes. Yes, there is. When did that get there's, released? Is that recent? Um, yeah, recently. I don't think it's hit Australia yet, or it might be here soon. Did I you, haven't seen it pop like, up. There's so many monopolies out there, but this is a horror-based one, so I'm a bit more interested. Is there? Are they just yes. the cards you, you get? Like, um, it looks really cool. I will post a picture on the Instagram so everyone can have a look. That's great. So it looks yeah. like in this Beetlejuice one, you don't win places; you win characters. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can see it here. I've got it on Amazon up here. Like, it looks great, like with the old VHS original cover art on it and stuff like that. Anyhow, we're digressing, but that's <laughs> but that's great. Um, yeah, there's so many monopolies. So there's only so much we can talk about Scream. We've we've banged on about Scream. Scream number one, one of the best slasher films of all time. Agreed. It's true. Agreed. I think Dan, you need to come into next week's episode having watched Scream four. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do them all. I'm just gonna no, that'd be too much because. That's going to be a lot for you. Just go with number four. No, because I need to remember them all in order of what happened. Okay. Well, just skip three because three is terrible. Maybe that's probably just, I think just that's read why about I, it on Wikipedia. That's why I gave up, I reckon, because that was crap. So bad. And poor Co- Courtney Cox and her meme hair. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Let's move on to story number three. Sure. And um, where was this one from? From uh, Bloody Disgusting earlier on in the Thanks, week. Thanks, guys. You guys are the best, by the way. Shout out to Bloody Disgusting. Without you, we'd have no show. Nah, we we got other websites. I know. Jamie <laughs> uh, Lee Curtis is set to, to direct horror film Mother Nature for Bloomhouse. Is that you say it? Bloomhouse? Bloomhouse? I usually say Blumhouse. Blum? I'm pretty sure it's not Blum. Bl- I suppose if you were going to say bum, you just put an M in it, it's Blum. <laughs> Blum. But I'm Australian, so everything I say is like you know it's wrong. a bit uh, yeah it's a bit wrong. Just what gonna you know watch our Blumhouse film? Blummy, <laughs> Blummo, get the Blummo no, films Blum- out, love. All it's right, Blummers. Yeah, sorry guys. Excellent. <laughs> Do you know anything about this one? Um, so very little is known about the project itself. Um, I'm very excited because, as you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is like the lady of horror. Um. She So she's uh, only directed a couple of things. So she's done an episode of Anything But Love, which I have no idea what that is, and Scream Queens, which was a fun little show. Um, is that a TV show? This is going to be her first. Have you not watched it? No, I don't quite know what it is. Okay, so it's done by Ryan Murphy, who does Glee and American Horror Story. So that's already a bit of a, oh, okay. 7.1, um, 7.5, 75%. 92% of people of liked it. Yep. It's a lot of fun. And Billy Lord, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter's in it, and she's just fantastic. She yeah, plays right. quite, quite an interesting character. But, yeah, right. well worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Mm, so, yes, this so, is kind of like a, her uh, debut um, film directing. Yeah. So, so it's basically a sort of like a global warming picture um, so centered around climate change, uh, she's going to be co-writing the script uh, with Comet Pictures um, director Russell Goldman. Um, so that's going to be very interesting. Uh, mm. I think Jamie Lee's also signing on to do a Lifetime story. Um, I think a Lifetime stories are they kind of like the after-school specials that you used to watch, where you know the girl would go out to a high school party and have one drink and then she was addicted to reefer. I don't know. He's also directing How We Sleep at Night, the Sarah Cunningham story for Lifetime. Is that the mm-hmm. one you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm, Jamie Lee Curtis. So is she one of your favourites? Oh, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's, I mean, she pioneered a lot of, you know, the Scream Queen thing. So she's very well known amongst the horror community for all that kind of stuff. Um, she's she's had like such an amazing career as well. So I, everything she does 
for me is is always worth a watch and I'm kind of really glad to see her um, as she gets a little bit older sort of step back into that horror sort of role because, the, I mean, the, the yeah. The horror grandmother. Yeah, she's going to be the wise woman. Mm. As I said, like the... Uh, the lady that always comes in and poltergeist and saves them with the funny little voice. Oh, <laughs> oh I love her. Yeah, she's great. I remember as a kid being so scared of that and whenever she rocked up, I felt so relieved. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, she's here. She's come to save the day. We're right. We're right. She's here. Little high-pitched voice, helium lady. She, um, she'd always just be like, Carolyn. 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 Yeah, yeah. Was she in uh, Twin Peaks? Was she? She probably was. Yeah, probably. Um Oh man, that new twi- did you like that new Twin Peaks? Did you watch it? The re- the I haven't watched it yet. It's a it's a bit of a hard slog in my opinion. It uh, it's lacking in story. <laughs> like, oh, I always find that um oh man, what's his name? I always forget his name. Uh, Lynch, David Lynch. That's his mm. name. David Lynch. Yeah, yep. David Lynch. I always find if he's not reeled in, he just goes completely off off off. Off book, off the chain. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Like you need someone there to go, no, no, Dave, that's like, weird stop. and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's uh, what we want from David Lynch. I expect nothing less. I know. Well, he's also like he doesn't, I feel he's one of those people that loves his craft so much. He doesn't want anyone to dictate his craft. Therefore, he doesn't want to give anyone what they want. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, therefore I- they're, they're dictating his craft. And so you got like all I wanted out of Twin Peaks three, I guess it's called, or whatever, whatever it was called, um, was I just wanted um, Detective Cooper back, whatever his name was. Yeah. You know, and the whole show, he just wasn't there. He was in it, but it wasn't him. And he was just this mindless dude. And I was just like, but that's, I liked the original just because of his character. He had great character for that thing. He was funny. And there was just nothing funny or quirky in this new one. It was just flat out. Con- conceptual and weird and disturbing. And I was just like, you know, like, fine, give me a TV series which is like that, but don't put it on, you know, the third one of, of one of a TV series. It is nothing like that originally. I mean, it was a little yeah. bit, if you know what I mean, but it was more mystery where this was just flat out like, you know, Jacob's Ladder fucking Nam flashback. <laughs> like, oh. I, um, you know, that's in my opinion. I know people that love it. I know people that hate it. I feel that show is just going to be one of those talked about love-hates forever, which is oh, fine. Oh, yeah. Twin, Twin Peaks, is, it's always going to be uh, people are either going to, yeah, one one or the other, love it or hate it. I, I think for me, like I enjoy Twin Peaks, but whenever I watch it, I need to be in the right headspace and well, I need to dedicate time. So it's like a mental and physical preparation. I'm like, yep, gearing up for it. Well, you don't. Yeah, it's one of those things. that. Well, the first season was obviously the best. Like mm-hmm. of Twin Peaks, and then you had the second season. And I think what well, didn't like Lynch not write it all or do it all or something like that, and did the last episode, and that was it. Yeah. But, and then came back for the film, or so, oh, I can't remember that uh, Fire Walk with Me, whatever it was called. Which uh, I remember when it was, oh, this, yeah. this was all first coming out. Um, I, I I lived through the you know the Twin Peaks phenomenon, and I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what yeah. was going on. I didn't understand what these adults were talking about. And then Fire Walk with me. And then there was a dead girl in the movie. She wasn't dead. And I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had no way. I came back. I've revisited that only probably in the last couple of years. I watched Twin Peaks for the first time. Um, yeah. And I really, really, really enjoyed the first season. And the second season, I was like, mm. And then I never watched the film. And then I came in for the third. And I'm like, I'm tapping out. That's it. Nah, nah. 
That's fair. That's like, fair. Fuck this yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like yeah, every think- and every time, like David Lynch is David Lynch is in a feel in his own things as a character. He always is so weird and off the chart. And him in that, especially in that, was he was that cop? Was he a cop? Like a policeman or whatever? Yeah, he was just like, oh fuck, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> Anyhow, we digress again. We do. I love a good digress. It's true. It's true. It's true. I also love it. Okay, so let's move on because um, we're on to our fourth and last story, which I can see is going to be a long talky one. <laughs> is it? And it isn't even a story. It is just one sentence, one statement. The Shining turned 40 this week. What? Um, so Stanley Kubik's The Shining. Originally written by Stephen King. Um, straight first off the bat, what do you think of the Shining film, Jen? See, I love The Shining. Um, Jen, Ifa. Um, I love The Shining as a film. I watch it more often than I think I do. Usually, it's like, oh, I haven't seen this in a while, but it's probably more like, oh, you watched this two or three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> there's just something really. It's really weird to say. There's something so calming and relaxing watching that film for me. Like it's one of those sort of everything's going wrong. I'm going to watch The Shining. Mm. I find it's one of those films you? that I've watched the first half of it th- three times as many times as I've watched the last half of it. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I never get through it. Um, I only because I think the like, the last half is weaker than the first half. Um, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, like I think as soon as there are some bits in it where I kind of tune out. Um, right near the end. I, I, just, I just don't like the very, 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 very end. Um, but the don't get me wrong. This film is like like cinematically a masterpiece. Like there are shots in that that make me shiver every time I see them, especially when you're watching beautiful like new 4K crazy versions of this of the of these like shots. Like you know, you, you're loving like you love the kid Danny going on his little cart. You love the water, not water, blood. <laughs> You love the blood coming out of the elevator, you know. Um, I never found the two little girls. And the, the, the thing with The Shining is I don't find it scary. Did, did you ever find it scary? I, I've never found it scary. I think it's because it's such a sort of slow-moving horror. There's no jump scares. It's very tame as, you know, compared to some of the stuff that you and I have both probably watched. <laughs> yeah. So it's never really been something that's scared me or left me going, oh, this isn't, this yeah. isn't okay. It almost hits like notes of being more sci-fi than horror. Like, even though it's clearly horror because it's about ghost and paranormal activity, but it never get, gives me that horror feeling. I get more, it's more interesting than scary, intriguingly scary. I was just like, yeah. oh, what's going on? Oh, because they've got powers, the the kid and stuff. Like, I suppose that yes. happens in horror it's as well. The Shinnin, the Shining. The <laughs> I mean, Stephen King, uh, famously, he hates this film. He he was not happy with the way it was directed. He it did not turn out what he wanted, um, which led him to go off and make the 1997 uh, telly movie version uh, with the little kid from Little Rascals. Um, <laughs> which I was just talking about that with a couple of people recently because I haven't seen that since probably around like early 2000s i remember watching it from the video shop you had to get it on vhs and it was one of those big two vhs tapes in one cool box because uh you know it was so long yeah i remember that 
and the I cover just... was sort of holographic so it was like the dad's face and then you turn it and it's like a decay face yeah 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 i'd forgotten about that yeah Com- so i'm trying to track down a copy now so i can actually give that a rewatch since it's come up in conversation so many times just in the last week so there if i some... find a copy i'll flick one your way there are some great screenshots from it though on the old uh on the old internet, the miniseries, mm-hmm. like some pretty like the main guy looks pretty scary, but yeah, I reckon it'll just be crappy in the end, like the Tommy Knockers TV series. <laughs> Do you remember that? Which it I did. Not it, watched. Dude, it had Jimmy Smith as the main character. You can't really. <laughs> of course, go, that's why you've watched it. Yeah, that's why. It's the only reason I actually watched it because I was <laughs> like Jimmy. It was on my Jimmy Smith Smith binge. Because everyone yep. has to go through a Jimmy Smith's binge, a bit of Bale or Garner in their life, you know. He, he's been around. <laughs> Can't say I've ever had a Jimmy Smith's binge. Dude, Jimmy Smith's is the key element that someone brings in when a franchise is failing. Like, <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, it's failing. Quick, bring in Jimmy Smith's to save it. Like, Dexter, everything. Like, um, Star Wars. <laughs> like, just bring in Jimmy Smith's, everything will be fine. Yeah, okay. It's true. Star Wars needs more Jimmy Smiths. Anyway, back to The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, visually this film is is absolutely stunning. And Kubrick's work is very artistic and a little bit over the top at times, but I, I feel that it just works greatly in this movie's advantage. Yeah, this one did work. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of all Stanley Kubrick's, film, Kubrick's films. I know people mm. love him and stuff like that, and you're allowed to love him, and that's fine. I just don't. Um but this is one of the ones I do like. Like, I'll, I, I'll watch this every couple of years. You know, you get that one person who's like, I haven't really seen The Shining. Like, oh, dude, let's watch it. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. And then they like it. And then there's that dude. He's like, ugh. Because The Shining is, if I remember, The Shining comes up in the Tommy Knockers as well. Like, the power. Um, yeah, it would. Because everything's all interconnected, so. Yeah. So, The Shining power and the Pennywise meteorite are like yep. the main two forces in the Stephen King verse, if that's a thing. The, the King verse. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it the King verse. Um, don't I mean like you know I don't quote me on this, but I, I I haven't read the Stand or the Dark Tower, which I assume are like mostly his opusy things that have more. Um, you know, references to The Shining and whatever Pennywise's power was. Um, The Deadlights, that's what it was called. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I assume they're in there a little bit more. I'm sure some King people will tell us. Tell us in the the comments down below if you know a little bit more about The the Deadlights or The Shining power, not the actual movies. Um, Don't make me Google it, people. No, don't 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 Google it. <laughs> well, fun fun and interesting as well. Um, the It miniseries actually turns thirty this year as well. So there's a lot of uh, anniversaries coming up for Old Mate King. A lot of things for us to talk about. Heck yeah! Now Stephen King's still alive, isn't he? Of course he is. He's just released a new book, which I don't know what the title is because I didn't pay that much attention, and I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. He was the. Uh... Was he in? Was he in the Pet Cemetery remake? Because he was in. He was in the new It as the uh, pawn shop guy. Yeah, that was great. Was he in the new Pet I Cemetery? Don't remember he, him being he, in it. Because he was in the original film. He was the preacher at the funeral for the kid. Yeah. For Gabe Gage, whatever his name was. Gage. Cage was it? Cage. Gabe Gage. Gage. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I don't think he was. And he, he was actually recently said that he doesn't necessarily like having cameos in his films anymore because he believes he's cursed. So generally when he has the cameo, the film doesn't succeed as well as it should. So He believes he's cursed. What a bloody idiot. Yeah. <laughs> For a but horror I mean, writer. That, I mean... I think Kim being in Pet Cemetery might have helped it a little bit because that movie was a bit shit. What the first one? The the remake. No, no, who's in the first one? Yeah, but I don't know if he was in Pet Cemetery. The, the remake. I enjoyed the remake. I was fine yeah. with it. It was just didn't need. It didn't need to exist. There um, was a lot of really good elements that I really enjoyed. John Lithgow was amazing, but he's always amazing. But I hated the ending. It just. Well, yeah, it was. Just, well, the thing I was like, what I found about the Pet Cemetery remake is that it relied on you seeing the original. Like, yeah. so it did all these like you know callbacks, like, oh, this is a bit where you know this is going to happen, and then it didn't happen. You know what I mean? But if you didn't know that was going to happen in the, you know what I mean? Or they and they swapped a yeah. lot of events around, and they added a whole new character into it. They added the daughter who was never in the original. Um. Original film, so it was only in the original film. It was just uh, the the wife, the husband, the the cat, and the kid. When this one, it had the extra daughter as a cat, and she took the role of the kid, which was in the original. So she yeah. became like the comeback king and shit like that. Um, well, you know, it's it's twenty twenty nineteen. It came out, so you know we can't just you know run small children over with trucks anymore. Not like three year olds, but it's okay to run an eight eight year old. Yeah, they've lived. They've had enough. In this day and age, who wants to live past eight years old anyway? <laughs> now we've got the internet. That's like 400 years. Um, right. Going back to The Shining, <laughs> turning 40. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite Shining things, there's nothing to do with The Shining, but it's that internet uh, recut trailer called Shining Redux. Have you seen that? No. So basically someone, uh, there's a bunch of dudes out there that recut trailers and make them into the feel like a different genre. So, so they make The Shining into uh, just by cutting the trailer and like you know putting different music and cuts and beats into it. They made it into a feel good like um, thing about a writer just trying to finish his book, and it's like Jack just can't finish his book, and like <laughs> and like and and he finds uh, inspiration through this kid, which you know like. Yeah. And it is so good, and it's got um, it's got uh, it's got you know Salisbury Hill song that's climbing up on Salisbury Hill. You know that like what yep. as the thing. Watch it, watch it straight after. It is the most hilarious beat I think they've ever done. They also did one where they did um, they did Jaws as a rom com between the guy and the shark. <laughs> I've seen the Shining trailer that they redid using cats. That was pretty good. No, well, this is this is not that, but I will watch that in like as soon as we finish this podcast. Um, so. But yeah, um, check, check out the Shining uh, Redux. It's it's right. so worth watching. I downloaded that song. Is it Peter Gabriel? Is it? I have no idea. Is it? Um, I will post this on the Facebook page as well, so everyone can have a watch. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Write that down. <laughs> but already. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's that. That's like that was my first kind of. I, I'd seen The Shining, and then I saw that tra- trailer readout, and I showed that to so many people, and um, 
Yeah, it just oh, whenever I want to say shining to me, and it's like because it's called shining, it's like shining as if it's a heat's good thing. Like he's shining when he gets to write his book. <laughs> ah, it's great. Anyhow, what were you going on about? Oh, what wasn't I going on about? I Lots of things. You've lost it now. Should we move on to what we've been watching? Yeah, let's do that. I've watched a lot, and you have not watched as much as me. No, that is true. I have watched a lot this week. It just hasn't been just horror. Not horror. Yeah, I That's was I, I was splashing around like, like. Sometimes you need a break. It's true. It's true. Like I always look here. The things I have watched this week, which are not horror, I watched Fury, the Vietnamese fighting movie. I watched uh, Future Kill, which is like a 1985 trash action film. I watched. Are you ready? Jupiter's Ascending. <laughs> oh, I saw that on your letterbox, I'd, and I. I, just, I sniggered and then moved on. I just heard it was the worst film of all time, but it's by it's by the Wachowski sisters, and I really, you know what, the Matrix hold I hold it so close to my heart that I couldn't believe that they made something bad. And I watched it, and I was like, yeah, this is bad, but it's not as bad as everyone said. Um, it's nowhere near as bad as what everyone said. I only gave it a one and a half stars, <laughs> so, but it wasn't as bad as everyone said. But it wasn't a half star, <laughs> like I gave Future Kill. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, have you seen Rota? What's Rota? Rota. Um, okay, we might have to watch Rota, although it's really hard to track down. Um, it's it's basically like um, Terminator, but a super low budget. Terminator I may have watched it. It sounds really familiar, the name. Yeah. Anyhow, Yeah. what I've been watching. So I went back and I watched... From what I thought was not the first time, but it was the first time I'd ever seen this film, I just romanticised about it so much as a kid, What looking at it in the video shop and the cover. I just thought I'd seen it. Um, X, <laughs> the 1982 film Extro. X-T-R-O. Um, yeah. This film... Uh, always scared me as a kid like the idea of like looking the cover of it was shocking there is a there's a whole bunch of covers but the cover i used to see it's an actual photo cover from a shot from the film and it's got this monster with its tongue lashing out towards kind of the camera and it looked like this because it was a photo and you know you know um all vhs covers back then were drawn and this yep. one was a photo on the front. I mean, and I was just like, oh, look at that thing. So its catch line was, some extraterrestrials aren't friendly. <laughs> like, okay. Um, it's, by, it's, it's directed by Harry Bromley Davenport. Now, I'm just going to check to see what he did. He did Extro, Extro 2, Extro 3. <laughs> oh, okay. Apparently. Um, oh, later. Uh, a lot of horror and some crap. It's just crap. A lot of horror and some crap. A whole bunch of crap. Um, not even worth. Um, so this is about a, a, a man and his son playing out in, the, in their backyard in the middle of the day in, in England and in a very small backyard. And then a flash of light comes and his dad's gone. And the kid is like, my dad was taken by a flash of light in a spaceship and he, and the mum's just like, no, nah, he just bailed on us. You know what I mean? Then yeah. uh, I think it's three years later, they've moved on. She's got a new boyfriend. They're living in a different place. And then this, uh, an alien, a spaceship comes down. There's a flash of light. And anyhow, this horrible thing comes out, which is actually a man dressed like, so he's, you know, when you do a backbend, Yes. Yeah, so he's like that, 
in the costume, but his head's around the other way. So it's this horrible monster that, you know, walks with its knees bending the wrong way and shit. Like, it looks great. It's hilarious. And then this thing, like, kills people. And then, for some reason. And then a big kind of, at one stage, it, uh, it gets a lady, smashes her up, and a a weird, like, thing comes out of its chest, like a big, like, tentacle, and suctions onto her mouth, and then she wake, wakes up, and she suddenly gets super pregnant, and then he gets birthed out of her in a uh, full adult, and and it's it's gross looking. Like, it's, it's like you see it all happening, and then he's just, like, back, and then he goes back to the family, and it's all weird, and he's got these powers, and um, he's actually the alien, and he actually kind of recruits the sun and they start recruiting people by like sucking on them and then they become the alien and then they wrap people up and like make eggs come out of them and like it's this crazy weird horribly graphic like it says really they go they Cronenberg the shit out of this film like that's it yep go on and there's like bits everywhere and I'm not gonna say what happens in the end right I've already given away too much, but this is a 1982 <laughs> film. Um, so first up, the soundtrack was wicked. It's that old like, you know what I mean, like that, like, <laughs> like and uh, I was just loving it, like the soundtrack part of it. That worked really well. The monster makeup and the practical effects are wicked. Like, there are some truly terrifying bits, like. And, you know, people with, like, massive teeth coming out of their face and just like that. The acting is budget. Like, <laughs> the budget is so budget. It's like their mics weren't working or something. And it's like, you know, that really, shh, it's hissy mic. Like, they all sound they're too, like they're too far away from the mics. You know what I mean? Like a, a, like yeah. a film school quality sound. Um, but the idea is there. And, like, it, this film, 1982, like... It would have been quite gross. Like, I mean, I, actually, no. I mean, when did Evil Dead came out? Way before that, didn't it? That was like, was that early eighties? No. Yeah, Evil Dead was eighties. Hang on, that is early eighties, eighty two. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I digress. I'm going everywhere. Yeah, Evil Dead was nineteen eighty one. But like, I only gave it two and a half stars. But I still recommend people go back and watch this for that. Just the shocking, gross things that were in it. Like, and if not for the soundtrack. Um, I do love the soundtrack. Yeah, I bought the soundtrack at the at Avcon. Like the, oh la- the last Avcon I went to. Do you remember there was that like dude selling? I remember that. That guy selling like movie soundtracks on vinyl. Yeah, I'm pretty certain I grabbed something from him, but I can't remember what it was. Or record? Is it the whole thing? You know, record collectors hate the word vinyl. Have you heard of that that thing? I know you are no. a record collector. Have you not heard that thing? Like so, yeah. No. Like vinyl is like a faux pas word that only only uh you know people like amateurs use. And I'm like, really, sure. really. How's about you shut up and just let me collect my record vinyl? My vinyl collection. Yeah, maybe they're like, they yeah. don't like it because of pop, pop vinyls. It's not they you know <laughs> they're not like well, just, I mean, they're not popular not... music records. They're pop vinyls. Well. It's not untrue because, you know, if I say, oh, I grabbed this really cool vinyl on the weekend, they're like, pop vinyl. I'm like, no, it was a record. Yeah, must have maybe. Said, maybe that's the reason why, because vinyl became more uh, synonymous with toys, crap toys. Maybe. 
toys with it or have like stupid proportions and no eyes. <laughs> I just feel collectors need to stop being so elitist with everything. It is true. Well, when you're a collector, the only the only power you have is to know more than the other collectors and have more stuff than the other collectors. So, oh, that's said about everything. You know, there's always someone who knows more and is into it just that little bit more. Just get over yourself. Yeah, we're so all having fun. Gate, vi- what is it? Vinyl gatekeepers. You can fuck right off. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, extra. Only two and a half stars from me, but those two stars, one was for the music, one was for the effects, and then half was just for the eggs that people get lay out of their stomachs, which I don't understand, and the birth scene. And then all the rest of the stars that I took away was just the bad acting and the bad sound. So I just can't get past bad sound in a film. Like, is it not audio, um, dialogue? Um, It just just cheapens your experience to the max. But what's worse than bad sound is when they realise they've got bad sound and they try and redub it. Have you watched films that have done that? I love a redubbing. Oh, you like it? I love a redubbing. Yes, especially when it's like an Italian film being redubbed so it can be like released in America. That's great. I love. Oh, that. that's all right. But um, I mean, like English to English. <laughs> yeah, even that's great. But I have terrible hearing, so if I am watching something, I either have to have the TV on super loud or I have to watch it with headphones because everything is a bit of a mumble. A mumble jumble. So yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So. Should we go, you want to move on to one of yours? Sure. So I watched a film called I Am Zozo. Zozo. Uh, Zozo. Well, you got some good notes in there about this film. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so this movie was released in 2012. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Uh, it was written and directed by Scott DeLala. Uh, this movie was shot entirely on an 8mm Kodak Superfilm uh, so, what is this that? Movie was shit. A Kodak Superfilm. What is that? Yeah. I don't know what that is. So it's very seventies. So it's an old school camera. Yeah. Like a Super Eight kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So it had that very old, grainy sort of look to it. The audio was fine though. No problems with the audio. So was this it was it being pretentious? I don't even think they managed. To, to hit that level. But were they so, using this film on purposely bad? Oh, as in, like, you know what I mean? I'd were they... say so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, oh, definitely dear. using it to. So, okay, so basically, I Am Zozo is a psychological thriller about five young people who play with a Ouija board. Um, and they, of course, attract the attention of a demon. Oh, dear. Um, so if anyone knows me, I do like a little bit of ghosts and a little bit of ghouls. And if I could just be a professional ghost hunter, that would be great. But yeah. So Zozo, that, well, before we were going to do this podcast, we thought about making a ghost hunting show, remember? And it's that, true. Yeah. And then we, we planned it all out and everything. And then in the end, I worked out it was way too hard and I didn't have any time. <laughs> and then I never told anyone that and everyone just forgot about it until this very moment. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, that, that'll be our next project. Um, (laughs) essentially Zozo comes up a lot. So like if, if people have ever had any experiences with, uh, Ouija boards and there's always someone who's had this experience with this demonic entity. Um, so if you look it up, it's, it's a real thing that people have experienced. So this movie is based on these kids who, you know, they're using a Ouija board and they come across this, uh, Zozo and that's. Well, is Zozo a person? 
It's a demon. Okay. Yeah. So it's a it's just a spirit, and so essentially, it's meant to have attached itself to one of the people in the house. But yep. I can tell you that this film was trash. Nothing happened. Um, it was a it was a bit of a slog, and essentially. You just don't know if anyone got possessed or not. and Okay, so nothing happened. It was a slog and you didn't know if anyone got possessed, which is exactly what happens in real life when people try and use Ouija boards. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's basically a documentary on a failed Ouija board. I do like its branding though. Um, will I die? And then the Ouija thing is on yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> will Pretty I good. die of boredom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will. You will. I gave this film half a star because it wouldn't let me give it zero stars. Really? Um, yeah, you yeah. can. You just press start. You just press watch, and that's done it. <laughs> I don't know, but I like. I kind of like to rate the film and say that it was shit. Right, and I don't-, I don't like to sit there and just say everything was a bit bit poo. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, kudos to the guy who made it. Kudos to the people that were in it. You know, no, it, it's it's notoriously gotten a two point two star rating in overall. So. Mm. It's not done very well. Yeah, it, it's it's poster. Like, I mean, if you if anything for your film is going to be your poster needs to be good. And this thing just looks like a layered Photoshop. It looks like it's a bit of bolt. It's a bit of plywood, and they've overlaid a bit of blood onto it because that's clearly that blood yeah. is too small. Um, you know, as it and then yeah. Eh, mm. Well, the poster that was on used for Amazon was a lot better. Oh, okay. Um, I think if I'd have seen this one, I would have, you know. No, I'm out. I'm not watching this. But eight, I do although like the Supernatural. Kodak 8mm film, Super 8, I just realised it is Super 8 when I was, um, is a hard uh, uh, medium to use. Um, I had to use it for film school. I have no idea why you'd even want to use it, though. You have to get that shit, like, unless it was fake, like fake Super 8. No, it says, it says it's actually filmed on it. That shit, man, yeah. you, you have to even in this day and age, you have to get that shit sent to Sweden to get developed. Like, why would you even do it? Well, this film was terrible. I wouldn't have wasted my time or energy doing that. Like, just put a filter on it and move on. I like that one of the reviews here. Um, I generally don't know what this film was trying to accomplish, but I can say for sure that it didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that review. My review is this half-star rating is generous. Yeah, that was good. I saw that one there. Um, one thing I do want to mention that I watched this week, but I haven't finished it, is that uh, Mungo Lake, the South Australian Film Corporation film. Oh, uh, yes, fantastic. I myself have that on my watch list. I had to w- stop watching it because I was too scared. Interesting. <laughs> my wife went to bed and I <laughs> sat there watching it for another 10 minutes and I'm like, nope. It's set in Ararat, which is just quite near our our hometown of Adelaide. Um. And just it being there, set, and it was a mockumentary. So they remade all like the um, like the regional TV and got like all the news people, real news people that you know used to hearing to do all the news reports, like the fake news reports and stuff. And so it was just like watching like you know the Channel Seven News reporting all this stuff. But then you're watching it as a documentary, and because it was so realistically done, you're like, oh shit, this isn't real. You know what I mean? Like, and then. Yep. And then yeah, it's dealing with child death, which is always a hard thing for parents, as I am a parent. And um, 
And it was just like, and as it was building up and up, and then shit started happening, like to these people, like kind of hauntings. And I was just like, I'm fucking out. I, I can't watch this. I'm gonna watch this in the day, which, in my opinion, is a fucking heaps good horror film. Like I had to stop it from being scared. Oh man, I can't wait to get back into it. I just wanted to interrupt that because I said I hadn't watched it, but there was a couple of films I watched nearly to the end. I just didn't get to to, to them. But next week I will be talking about this in depth. I feel that this will be uh, next week's homework. Yeah, maybe. That'd be a good one, actually, because you want to yeah. watch it as well, don't you? I well, do, I only watch yeah. it. I only watched it for about, like, you know, the first little tiny bit, so it's not counted <laughs> as this week. No, that's fine. Well, you know, you've got you've to complete for it to count, right? Yes, that is true. So <laughs> so you're um, so you're rating this a, a, a steaming pile of shit. There's a I Am Zozo. Yeah, and I am. Are, you, are you directing yeah. people away from it, not towards it? Don't watch this film. There's this, like, if you like supernatural occult films, there are probably like a million films better. Um, just just don't watch it. Or you could actually read a book uh, <laughs> called Ouija. Oh, I think uh, you just said, or you could just read a book. Do anything. <laughs> There's, a, there's actually a really cool book uh, called Ouija and it's like the story and history of the Ouija board, which is actually a really very interesting read. Um, it's called Ouija, the most dangerous game. Like, I, I know Ouija or we, Ouija boards. <laughs> no, Ouija is a race of humans. Um, Ouija boards aren't real. Like I, I don't believe – I love horror, but I don't believe in anything. But to me, those things, the Ouija boards, still I get vibes to keep away from them. It's weird. Like, I don't like yeah, them. Yeah, I'm not allowed to I, have one in the house. Yeah, I feel like it's just, number one, nothing ever good comes to them. So even mm. if they are real, why do you even want one? Why would you have one? <laughs> like, why but, do I do a lot of things, Dan? That's true. That's true. But yeah. they are the only thing that I am still scared. I, I, As reasonable as I am, and I don't believe in anything, I get a bad vibe from them, like, and I That's think fair. it was because growing up in like the um the eighties, like parents and Ouija board. Panic. Yeah. 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 I, I, I remember my friend's parents having Ouija boards and having seances and shit. And these were parents. But wow. then again, I suppose there's people like us are parents. <laughs> so I'm So to me parent. like I have a cat. So yeah. <laughs> but but so but we're parent age, I mean. Um Yeah. Yeah. So to me, like as a kid, this is a thing adults were doing and so to me it's like ingrained in me that it was a thing that was real um do you know what i mean like but i know it's not but there's still in the back of my mind there's still that 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 weird unreasonable amount of doubt for ouija boards and i don't know why i just don't don't fuck just with a them. lot a lot of that kind of mentality when it comes to that kind of thing so a lot of people who don't believe in supernatural stuff are still cautious of certain things because just, just in case <laughs> yeah the, the just in case yeah um, so, so i don't believe in like gods or anything but you know what i'm not gonna like go and do as many anti-commandment things because you know what number one most of them make a most a lot of sense like don't kill people and number yeah. two if he is real you might as well not fuck with that shit but i know he's yeah, not but like you know that off that 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 point point zero 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 one percent that he might be real you might yeah. not fuck with it see i find it all very fascinating it's uh it's something that i'm very i wouldn't say attuned to that's very much the wrong word uh something that i'm very interested in like i like a lot of the 
ghost hunting kind of shows and that kind of I like the history of it. There's a lot of really amazing history behind spiritualism and occultism and I love the satanic panic kind of uh, Yeah, I that was right. Really, oh my god, I've got a book about that that I'm still trying to get through. Um because I moved, so everything's packed up still. Um but yeah, so that kind of stuff it's always always there. Nice. And speaking of satanic panic, I watched this week The Gate. Now, yeah. have, have you seen The Gate? I haven't. I actually went to watch it this week and it's been pulled from Amazon. So, fuck you, Amazon. Oh. Um, so, The Gate. Um, what? what are, I'm just going to go into my thing. 1987. Um, director is <laughs> Tybor Tuckus. Tuckus? I don't know who this guy is. Um, he's done The Gate, obviously. Uh, he did The Gate 2. He, oh, he did Spiders. Do you remember that recent one? And he also did Ice Spiders. <laughs> which I did. Ice Spiders? What? I, ice, I think we've just found another film we have to watch. Uh, yes, please. Writing that one down. Well, Spiders. Uh, now, are- is this... Are we talking ice spiders? They're all on like cooked on meth, or <laughs> ice spiders? Is in it's a bit cold. I think it's cold, but spiders. The first one, the city is crawling. It looks like an eight-legged freaks, like gigantic monster film. Oh cold. yeah! I'm After cold. a Soviet space station crashes into into a New York City subway tunnel, a species of venomous spider is discovered, and soon they mutate into gigantic proportions and wreak havoc on the city. Sold. Krista yes, Campbell. Please. Who's that? No one. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I'm sold on this film. I'm going to track it down. Oh, no. Oh, what do we got here? We got a half star, a half star, a star, a star. <laughs> you're, just, you're just solidifying this uh, need to watch this film now. Oh, but people are much more generous with the stars for Ice Spiders, the sequel. <laughs> When a young ski team training for the Olympics arrives at the remote and isolated Lost Mountain Ski Resort on the f- to focus on training, they're thrilled to find a retired Olympic skier, blah, blah, blah. Why? Are they, where? But their plans are halted when a scientist working on a nearby government lab arrives with the horrifying news that a top-secret government project has produced giant spiders <laughs> and they have escaped Killing and eating everything in sight. All right, so it's not a sequel. It's just more spider films he's done. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. So back more to the gate. So the gate yeah. involves, um, you got your 1987. So it's a kid. It's one of those uh, horror films that involves a bunch of kids. Um, and they accidentally, these two kids, do a series of events which open a gate to hell. And... Um, and the reason they know that they've done this, which is the best part of the film, is because one of the kids is like a denim jacket, sleeveless denim jacket, jacket, you know, metal-loving kid. And one of his oh. albums has like a Necronomicon in, in it kind of thing, which sure. has all the writings of how to bring, like the demon apocalypse warning them. And they, it has all the steps and they accidentally do all the steps. <laughs> yes. So it opens this gate. The first thing you notice is the little men come out. They're like about, you know, they're about a foot high. Not even a foot. They're tiny. But they look amazing. Like, my, uh, I was looking at them going, how did they do some of these effects? They're clearly just people dressed up right. But they've shrunk them down and they've put them into scenes and they look perfect. 
And I'm thinking that they've done a mixture of like giant props, you know, like, so when like, you know, the, the little men grab this guy's leg and it cuts to the close up of the little monsters grabbing it, they've made a giant leg and like it's real people pulling it, but it works so well. And they look scary. Like it looks, it's got that uncanny valley of it looks too real. And you're like, ooh. Yeah. Um, so that was great. Bringing anything where a metal album would like brings, you know, has like how to bring stuff back like from, you know, the dead it, it's is amazing. It's always that kid. It's always that kid with the denim jacket. Yeah, exactly. You know? The other did thing, he have little bracelets as well, little spike bracelets? Uh, yeah, at one stage he did. Yes, um, he and did. he's a badass as well. At, uh, the the main kid in it who looks like a little chubby um, hobbit, like um, uh, what's it? What's the hobbit's name? Austin. What's his first name? Uh, Sean uh, Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Aston, Austin, however you say his name. I thought it was him, and I looked it up, and this little fat kid is Stephen Dorff as a <laughs> as a tiny child. Like the actor Stephen Dorff, we know him in Blade, um, a whole bunch of other crap as well. Um, yeah, and so I was like, what? It doesn't even look anything like him. I looked it up, it is actually him. I thought maybe there's another kid named Stephen Dorff, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was actually him. Um, but then this film suffers. Like all, a lot of films, like these kind of monster films is, you know, the big monster gets unleashed. It's like, you know, the monster that's going to destroy the world kind of thing. And it it just turns out to be this slow, lumbering monster that anyone can beat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so they've, they've made this gigantic monster and it's just this big hulking mess that I'm like, and he beats it by firing a bloody firework into it and that kills it. And I'm like... That's it? Like, you don't think humans have tanks or guns? You know what I mean? Like, to, yeah. If a kid can beat it with a firework, we weren't in much trouble, hey? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it was just something that the children had to overcome themselves. Yeah, but it was like about uh, they'd unleashed hell on earth. And, like, they did. Like, like, a whole open up demons were coming out everywhere and it was great. But, like, the guy just got beaten so easy. And they did that so many times back then. They made these giant monsters a la It. Remember It when Pennywise turned into a bloody big lumbering spider and they just stuck him with a knife in his dick and then he died? <laughs> like, yep. Pennywise the clown was way scarier than the spider. Like, why would it manifest yeah. itself into a slow thing that's easy to kill? <laughs> like, yeah. It's just bad filmmaking, really. That shit gets me out my goat. <laughs> Anyhow, that's what I've watched. Turkeys. I know we, we're, we're already running over an hour, so. Yeah, all right. And we haven't even Let talked about, are you going to run cool. quickly through yours or you want to talk about some of these a bit more? I will. So, okay, so I watched uh, Gorgo. Uh, so it's a 1961 film. Ooh. It's basically, uh, so it's done by Eugene Laurie. Um, he also did like Beasts from 20,000 Fathoms, which is another one of my favorite films. Um, you know, old 60s creature feature. Uh, basically, this is uh, the UK's answer to Godzilla. Oh, oh, really? Um, yeah, pretty much. So when an undersea volcano sends tremors throughout the Atlantic, aquatic creatures come out of hiding. Uh, so merchant seaman Joe Ryan and partner Sam Slade harness the most unusual of the lot, a massive beast that looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It looks nothing like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, by the way. It is – the effects were amazing. For 1961, like it, a lot of it was done on a blue screen. 
and it does look a bit dodgy, but Gorgo, the design itself was amazing. He does look very kaiju, doesn't he? He does. But essentially, so they do what they do in the Lost World. They take it to London and they put it on show. But what you don't realise is it's just a baby. Uh-oh. So mum's coming, she's going to come fuck shit up, and she did, and it was fantastic. I thought it was going to be like um, like he grows really quickly, but another one comes. Yeah, the mother comes. She's mad. I mean, Queen Gor- Gorgo was in also in uh, 300. She was like, uh, that's what the lady was in. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be upset if Lena Headey came at me as well, so whatever. Yeah, he looks, uh, there's that, that Gorgo, he looks great. Yeah, look, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I think it's one of the f- my favourite films that I've watched this week. Um, I think he looks so a lot like Godzilla, like the OG Godzilla, he except he has ears. Yeah, and I think if, if anyone, it, it's streaming on Amazon, uh, so mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. It's uh, also on Tubi. So if, because uh, obviously uh, we're going to sort of burn through a few of what I've watched real quick. Um, just go watch it and then let me know what you think because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Gorgo. <laughs> Done. Um, I also watched uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Oh, how good is the rhyming title? Michael Ironside's in this. <gasps> is he? A very young Michael Ironside. I love that Michael Ironside. I just, didn't, just want to say his name like Michael Ironside. Like Ironside. every every time, like. Um, so he's he's quite young and menacing and uh, basically it's it really is not a sequel. It's a standalone film. It was actually meant to be called, I think, Hamilton High and then at the last minute they changed it. Um, so when Hamilton High is prom queen of 1957, Mary Lou Maloney is killed by her jilted boyfriend, Michael Ironside. <laughs> she comes back for revenge 30 years later. Um, so... Bill Nordham, which is Michael Ironside, is now the principal of Hamilton High <laughs> and his son is about to attend the prom with his lovely girlfriend, Vicky. However, she is possessed by Mary Lou after opening a trunk in the school's basement. Sure. Yeah. This movie is terrible and I freaking loved it. It, it was, was it, so much fun. It was that? It was like trash love? It like, was a trash love, yeah. yeah. Is there it a prom was, night one? Yes, there's, so there's Prom Night, which uh, was done in 1980, and it stars Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, really? Yep, and then it was remade in 19... Nope, 2008. 2008, yeah. Yeah, right. Yes. So I was on a bit of a Prom Night binge. Um, unfortunately, it, Prom Night 3 was not on any streaming service that I had, so I moved straight on to Prom Night 4, Deliver Us From Evil. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, and? I don't even know. I don't even know why they called it a prom night for. This film was terrible, and I love the tagline: "They ditched the prom for a private party. Now it's their last dance." Their last dance. Um, yeah. So carrying on from prom night tradition, this film begins back in Hamilton High School on prom night in 1957. Yeah. Um, as a young couple are enjoying a romantic moment together in the backseat of a car, they're interrupted by Father Jonas, a priest who slashes and immolates the lovers. He fucks the, the shit up. Like, it was really good. Oh, you enjoyed that? Uh, yeah, I do like gratuitous violence sometimes. 
Uh, 30 years later, Jonas gets loose from the chapel basement where the church fathers have been secretly keeping him locked up and drugged. Keep in mind, this guy does not age as well. He He's laying there with a very long beard and long hair. And that's it. That is it. Um, so as luck would have it, it's prom night again. And a group of four students have unfortunately chosen Jonas' hideout as their secluded getaway spot. Oh. Um, so this was done in 1992 by Clay Boris. Uh, I don't think he's done much since. Um, but essentially, uh, it. so you know how the 90s became very sexy? So a lot of the films were a bit like sexy thrillers, so Basic Instinct and uh, uh, Color of Night. Uh, what, was, what was that other one um, with the, the threesome? Wild Things? Yep, yeah, that's it. That was 98, but yes, that was oh. a great film. Neve oh. Campbell again. Um, yeah, so this one was, it, it felt more like a softcore porn with just a little bit of violence. So. Ew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so I guess that sort of fits in with a little bit more with your satanic panic. Fun fact, there's like actually a guy who has been in every single one of these prom night films just playing a different character oh they can bring it like they can do like can scream where they can just bring him back at any time they need yeah he's, he's an extra yeah it's fantastic um then i watched another really bad film called we summon the darkness um i this i i kind of wanted a little bit more out of this film um basically it's set in the midwest against a backdrop involving a killing spree throughout um, it's, it's meant to be orchestrated by a satanic cult. Um, so three best friends are embarking on a road trip to a heavy metal show where they bond with three aspiring musicians and head off to one of the girls country home for an after party. Oh dear. Musicians. Of course, I know. Of course it takes a deadly turn and the bodies begin to pile up. Hmm. So it was bad. It had so much potential because it, it was the whole satanic panic thing and it turned, it just turned in on itself. Like, I think it was very poorly executed. Johnny Knoxville's in it. He yeah, plays there you go. the pastor. Um, <laughs> Taylor Swift's brother is in this. Oh, oh yeah, cool. Um, what's his yeah. name? <laughs> like, uh, something Swift? Yeah, it's Austin Swift. Austin Swift. So the yeah. bra- the branding of this film is on point. So at the moment, yeah. the hottest colours in graphic design are pink and blue mixed together. Yeah. Everyone's doing it. Um, everyone. Like, everything. Comics are doing it. Film trailers are doing it. Um, uh, video games are doing it. Everyone's using pink and blue. So this thing is on point with its branding. It's just like, number one, you've got Johnny Knoxville in there, and he's like, let's face it, like, He's jackass and he's nothing else, in my opinion. Um, I know that's mean. I, I know he listens to the show. Sorry, man. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this film, like, this film looks, it's got all its, like, you look at some of its posters online and some of them, it's it's like it's going for every genre of horror. Like, you've got like kind of your yeah. slashy kind of fun 80s pink and blue. Then you've got like this really dark one, which is brown and blacks. Looks really serious and, like, horrible. Uh-huh. Uh, 
And then you've got this other one, which is like, it's got in a forest and it's got blue and fire. It looks like bloody Caravan of Courage, <laughs> like the branding. And, and it's just like, what are you going for? Like, what, what's your vibe? Are you feel? And then you've got this other red one, which looks like, um, it's like red and like, uh, like with like fake, like aging on it. So it looks like it's like Planet Terror or one of those, you know, Grindhouse films. Yeah. And like that's three different genres films for like four for the for four posters for the same film. And I'm like, what are you? What do you want me? Are you just trying to get every audience in there because you know you got a stink fest of a film? And that's what it is. Like this film, the story, the concept they had was really good. They just did not have the execution. Um, the main girl who, uh, what's her name? I think. Alexis Daddario. She looks She's really familiar. The one she on... was in the, the Baywatch movie. Oh, she yeah. Was in, yep, yep. yeah. She was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, she's been in stuff. Like, she's obviously an up-and-coming kind of character. She was she was great. Like, she did a very good job doing what she did, and she I think she did really hold the film together, but it just it didn't – it fell so flat. Um. Like, it took a lot for me to finish it without turning off. Fair enough. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, very quickly, finally, I watched Ma, uh, 2019, directed by Tate Taylor uh, with Octavia Spencer. Um, so she is a, an Oscar-winning actress and a bloody brilliant actress. And I, what I love about her is she's very happy to come back and do all these films. So, like, she was in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 um, you know, she don't care. She's she's going where the the role is. She's going where the paycheck it. is. Yeah, pretty much. I didn't want to say it, but it's true. Um, this movie made me feel so uncomfortable and not in a good, scary way. Um, it was it was sad. Like I was embarrassed for her. So basically, she's this loner woman who is asked by these kids to buy alcohol. And she does, and eventually she's like, oh, come back to my house. Like, I've got a basement and I live by myself. You're like, it's fine. I'd much prefer you come and party at my house than drive around drinking and doing drugs. Yeah. And it's just like she's this sad girl who had a sad teenage childhood and is now trying to, like, be one of the cool kids. But also it's kind of like a revenge film because the kids that she's partying with are now the kids of the people that bullied her in high school. Right, is she trying to, like, um, kill them? Yeah. Look, this was a slow burn film. Nothing actually happened until about an hour and a half in. So the last 15 minutes had the most the, action. The horror part. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, yeah. I mean, it's got a really good cast. Like, Juliette Lewis is in it. Alison Janney's in it. Um, but it just fell so short and I was really bummed out because obviously, you know, Octavia Spencer, she's going to be in a, in a Blumhouse, uh, film. Bloom. Yeah. Bloom. It was, I don't recommend it. I wouldn't, I would never watch this anyway. So this isn't my kind of film at all. That's fair. Yeah. I, I gave it two stars. Uh, I'm sure the acting was great, but yeah, if if films don't feel awkward, I don't like them. Yeah, like, it wasn't, like, an uncomfortable, like, oh, God, something's going to happen now. It was, oh, this is sad. <laughs> yeah, like, just, Can you stop? This is sad. Oh. 
I'll hug you later. It's fine. Everything will be okay. Just go do something else. That's not what this show is about. This is about horror. No. I want, I want, I want entrails. I want blood and gore. I don't want to feel bad. I want to feel no. love. <laughs> I don't want to feel bad for the person that's meant to be fucking shit up. That's true. No. I All right. So let's move on to our movie of the week, our homework section. So last week I made you watch Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, yes, you did. So. Uh, <laughs> Beyond the Black Rainbow, 2010, directed by uh, uh, Panos, I can never say his name, Cosmatos. Panos Cosmatos. I just, I just be like, Panos, Panos. Cosmatos. Panos yeah. Cosmatos. Uh, <laughs> so recently he created the film um, uh, Mandy, which had uh, Nicolas Cage in it. Um, uh, it was all right. Yeah. We can get into good. that later. So, Jen, what did you think of my... I reckon I went into this with rose-colored glasses. I was remembering this film a lot better than I, uh, you know, was was bragging about. What did you think (laughs) on my rewatch the other night? Yeah. Um, This, I didn't hate it. Um, Do you think it's a grower? Like, like you you didn't know what you're watching. This is what happened to me. I didn't know what I was watching the first time around. And I thought more about it. And I had to go back and watch it again. Like, I think this is the kind of film that you could write a thesis on because it it is so subjective. Um, it is it is such a slow burning film, and the storyline itself is is paper thin. Like it's a very basic bitch storyline. It's just um, I think he's he calls it a trance film. Um, so it, he's, he's preferred to sort of step away from, um, storytelling in favor of an atmospheric slow burning approach, um, which, you know, that's, that's great. It's, it, it works for him and it works for the film. Um, hmm. we should say what it's about. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah. Sorry. Guys. So basically it, it, um, it opens with like this initiation video into what looks like a 1960s uh, like future cult or something yeah. um, uh, called Aboria, which which let me just say right now, the branding of Aboria is amazing. That like the mm-hmm. t- their, their branding of their company within the movie is great. Um, and yeah. it, they they claim to uh, Doctor Aboria, he has like worked out the secret of happiness through um, <laughs> through basically from what I could tell. G- Submersing, submerging yourself into a bath of LSD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so he, um, yeah, he, he has found this thing, and uh, Doctor uh, Aboria is a hundred percent into his thing. He believes he wants happiness for all humans. Through this, um, a girl gets born, basically, or something. You know, someone's submerge themselves into the cult and then there's a child born of like special powers through this drug um and then she has like esp and she is kept in this facility the thing is dr Borea gets old and the facility is taken over by his second in command and that guy does not want to, f- to push mankind on he basically goes into isolation and experiments on this girl for like 20 years <laughs> uh, yeah can i just say Barry, because his his name is Doctor Barry Nile. Yep, he's a bastard. Yeah, so he is. Um, he's just a bastard. He's like, yeah, he's sadistic. He's keeping this girl for his own sake, um, doing experiments that don't need to be done. He is a coward. 
and he has a pa- mm-hmm. he has a power trip that he like he because he, he's locked her up and he's in hundred percent control of her. That makes him feel powerful. Um, then, and you get all that. So he also has a computer, which is a pyramid that lights up and can stop the girl's ESP powers for some reason. <laughs> yeah, so she's she's basically locked in this room, like pretty much twenty four seven. So the only time she's actually allowed to come out of this room is when she goes in for her therapy sessions with him. Yeah. Um, so she's basically sort of held captive, and uh, this this machine sort of stops her from being able to to use her um, her powers basically, but you can always, so there's like little bits and pieces here that sort of indicate that she's got powers because uh, when one of the nurses is walking her back to her room, uh, her nose just sort of starts to bleed a little and she's like, stop it. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, So, I mean, what does happen (laughs) is quite good. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought there was going to be a little bit more... Um, horror to it. Well, the, ho- the horror is in. Uh, so, the director, his his vibe. I read in an interview with him. His his goal was that he was like us. He used to go to the video shop as a little kid and just stare at these at the horror section of all these films that he wasn't allowed to watch. And he'd look at the covers. He'd look at the back every day after school, which is exactly what I did. And then he would. So he had this, in his mind, he had this fantastical world of what these films were going to be like when he was finally old enough to watch them. And obviously he got old enough, he watched them and they weren't what he thought. So he wanted to create a film that the 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 10-year-old him thought these films were going to be like, yeah. uh, which in, in, in its own great, in its own thing is a great, uh, uh, really uh, hard goal to do, you know what I mean? Like to create this thing. So naturally it, it, it's become very, um, it's very psychedelic and very, there's, uh, uh, there's uh, scenes of weirdness and stuff like that, that a, a young person would think, oh, what are some horrifying scenes? The thing that really floated this film for me is number one is the soundtrack. It's, oh cr- my God. it's chronically yes. good. It's like, yeah. um, it's like, you know, he has encapsulated, like 1980s like and 70s like horror film into this and then t- done a t- t- slight twist on the, uh, uh, the the music and kind of modernised it but not. The other thing yeah. and then the other thing is the, the visuals. So you've got written here it was shot on Panavision 35mm which is fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you can see if you actually look at the trailer how long the trailer is. Like it's one yeah. of those wide movies. Um, the visuals in this, like if you're ever going to watch it, you really need to get the best version possible. You need to find like the, the 4SK Blu-ray ever because this film has some intense colours in it, some reds and that. And anything, if it's not perfect, those reds will bleed into the other colours and stuff. Um, yeah. And that's what that's what pushes me. It's that feeling of that music with these vis- these long long going shots that are just like of a triangle, a red triangle, like going, and it's just got this like music. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm mesmerized. And that kind of pulls me towards that film. If I pull myself away from it and look at it, I'm like, is it that good? I don't know, but it's more like a film clip that you really enjoy, but you don't enjoy as well. Like it's, It's the kind of film that I feel that you could have on in the background. Like, so say you're working at your computer and you've got, you're listening to just something else, like just some music 
it could be playing in the background and visually like it's it is mesmerizing like it is very slow but visually aesthetically it's very pleasing like i love that a, a lot of it is very minimalist but there is just such a vibrancy to it as well yeah it's it's so a, it's I a hard film to explain it. isn't it i knew we were going to have oh my God. it is um so I, I did try to look into it a little bit more because, um, you know, I, I love to have as much information about a film as possible. But he, like, Cosmatos is just influenced by so many things. Like, he's, uh, I think, like, he's influenced by Clockwork Orange. He's so very heavily, very heavily influenced by Kubrick. Yeah. Um. You know, he's he's very like sus- there are elements of uh, Suspiria. There's elements of, um, altered states and into the void and just so many things. The the scene itself. So the scene where it's back in the 1960s. Oh, the um, white scene, black and white scene. Yeah. So that's that's such a high um, contrast black and white scene, and he wanted to have. He said that it was the perfect look for the flashback because it was felt like fading and decaying artifact, which is not wrong. <laughs> but, you know, when he sort of descends into this pool of black goo and then comes out and he's just completely covered in it. Transcended. <laughs> yeah. Transcended. Which I call the, the acid trip pool. Yeah, and it's true. It, 100% he's just like, you know, vat of acid. And now he's just fucking high all the time. Um, but, yeah, there's so many influences that this guy's got, it's really hard to sort of pinpoint. And because it's such an experimental kind of film, I think the the begotten is, is what they've said it, it's shot like. The begotten, yeah, right. I yeah. didn't know. Oh, is that like a whole high cra- contrast black and white Yeah, it's Yeah, uh, it's an experimental horror film. Yeah, right. Like, in the 90s. I love it. Like, you're going to love it, you're going to hate it. I, I love that it, it was released on VHS. They bought out a VHS copy of it, like, yep. um, which is chronically expensive. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. They only did a super limited run, and the people who do have them, there's actually one at our local nerd shop in, in Adelaide, and I think it's got like a $280 price tag on it. Um, that is at um, Starblaze Collectibles in Adelaide. So check those guys out. That They have crazy good shit there if you're a, 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 a movie collector. As, yeah. Yeah. It's almost too hard to go there. You can't not go there and buy stuff. Um, so check them out um, on Facebook. No, on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, but your thoughts. Like, what did you rate it in the end, Jim? What was your number? What was your? I did. I gave it a three. Ooh, I gave it a four. Yeah, uh, the soundtrack alone was worth a couple of stars. Um, it visually, for me, it was really good. I didn't like the ending. You mean, as in, like how it all just yep. ends that last shot? <laughs> yep. like, I was like, what? What? It felt very anticlimactic for but me. I feeling. I've got a feeling. That that was his whole, um, that's his whole commentary on what happened once he saw these films as a child and got to see them. That it just ended up just being like a, like yeah, like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that was definitely 
in there on purpose. That was definitely yeah. hit, hit that tone because of that. Re- like, there was a, definitely a reason there. No one does that shot and that and that ending without purposely doing that. I thought, which made me fine with it. I was just like, okay, <laughs> like, sure, that could happen. <laughs> like, Very much so. Um, what I. <laughs> What I like about this film, because I did look into it a little bit. So this film was made, it had a budget of $1.1 million, mm. uh, which he financed based uh, on the residuals from the DVD release of the 1993 Western Tombstone. Um, his dad, George Cosmatos, was actually a director. So he directed Rambo First Blood Part 2 and he directed Cobra, so oh. big working with Stallone. Uh, what was his name? Ross Cobretti? No. Uh, Marion is- Cobretti was the name of the character in Cobra. <laughs> Mar- I can't tell you if I've ever seen Cobra. Yeah, yeah. Marion Cobretti. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, he financed this film based on the residuals that he would have got because both his parents died. Um, his, I think his mother lost a battle with cancer and something very similar with his dad. Um, but the film itself only made $56,491. That's so heaps it, less. So, yeah, it did not make its money back. Um, that, yeah, that's yeah. a colossal flop. How yeah. did he even get like, how did he even get the go ahead to make Mandy with such a flop in his hands? I I, well, I think even though it failed at the box office, it once it hit the Tribeca Film Festival, it picked up a lot. Oh, like it it's gained a, a lot of momentum. Cult, so now it's cult this, love. like crazy. Yeah. And I love a good cult following. Um, so like I like 100% recommend that if you, if you like these kinds of films, like definitely give this one a go. And especially if you liked Mandy and want to see where he sort of began, have, have go you back seen, and watch this film. Have you seen Under the Skin? Is that the Scarlett Johansson one? Yeah. I haven't. There are some shots in that which uh, remind me of Black Rainbow, which they go into this underwater kind of black world where it's all black. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. it just reminded me of like, it's kind of like Rainbow could have done that if it had just had its shit together a bit more. But yeah. Yeah. The other thing I love about yeah. it, the, one of the things I did like is the setting. Every look of the film like all the furniture is so 70s all the houses that they go into and it's just got this really uh, it's like it it feels like to me like the institute of a the aborea institute is stuck in the 70s but like the rest of the world has moved on a little bit like yeah definitely when they, I, they go out and there's those weird two metal dudes in the field having beers and shit like they don't seem like they're 1970s dudes to me no, like, and if you notice that the filmmaking changes significantly when they're outside. Yeah, it's just like, like it's, yeah, like the, the 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 institute is a like a it's like a time capsule of like yeah, even the the film stock and everything is like it's never it never leaves that spot like it's just yeah, and I love that that there's this, this scene where he's because obviously like uh, there's a lot going on with old mate Barry, um he, ba- he sort of Baza. He's taken a lot of medication to sort of keep him a little bit sedated and a little less unhinged. And there's this scene where he just sort of just pops this little pill. And you just see him like he's obviously starting to like chill the fuck out. But then the walls just start 
bleeding behind him. And oh, yeah, not, that was great. Oh, it's but it's not like this terrible sort of drippy blood. It's it's like it's slime. Like, yeah, and that um that scene, I was just like, damn, that's that's good. I like that. Do more of that, please. Um, I just liked whenever they showed the computer. And it was just like, whenever they showed the computer, that triangle computer, the music yep. was always at its best. It was always at, yeah. or when he was driving his car. Like, oh, God. He's, he's like, that just reminded me of Kung Fury when he's just driving the car. <laughs> Kung <Lord>. Fury? <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Kung Fury's the best. Oh, man. Anyway, so um, our, our homework for next week, what was it? I think we should watch uh, Mungo Lake. Mungo was it Lake, Mungo? Lake, that's it. Lake uh, Mungo Lake. Yeah. We know what we're talking about. It yeah, we like, do. I'm write it down here. So I'll do it. Yeah, I will definitely do that because I really, I was really enjoying. I mean, it might just fall flat in its face, but like I saw all the reviews and everyone was like, "It's heaps cool." Well, and I, I mean, there's so much homegrown horror. There's so many good horror films out out there that are made in Australia and South Australia as well. Babadook. Um, Babadook represent. Yeah, I like um, that. Film. That you know, they need a little bit more recognition and praise that they. You know, it's not just all about America, guys. That's true. All right, so let's do that. Let, let, I reckon we can kind of wrap that up now. Are you? Are you yeah. Yeah. So a bit of um, so um, we have been Television Horror Podcast. You can find us on all podcasts at streaming services: SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. We have a YouTube channel over on the YouTube's. Um, so YouTube.com backslash Television Pod. We call it uh, Television Pod, and also on our Instagram at Television Pod as well. You can also email us on TerrivisionPod at gmail.com and let us know what you thought of the show. You know, anything like that. We um, we're going to try and make this a every Tuesday. This goes out. We're going to try and do that. So look out for us on Tuesdays. So on. Uh, the podcast will go up on Tuesday, and so will it on YouTube. That is our thing. So um. Have you had it? I'm going to go. So goodbye. And remember, kids, if you can't find a friend, make one.